The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince LaCocco. What if I told you that in a game against a team missing three offensive linemen, in a game with a backup quarterback who doesn't even pronounce his own name right, that Louisville, a team that came in, ranked 14th, 6-0, coming off of a victory against Notre Dame, would outgain their opponent, more first downs, better on third down, better on fourth down, and then walk away with a loss. You'd probably... Scott Satterfield was coaching? (laughs) You might do that. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is this baffling loss. And everything that went down on Saturday night in Pittsburgh on the CW, we got to talk about F Boy Island. I'm curious to know which one of us would be <laughs> most likely to go on that show. But you are tuned into From the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, Vincent Lacoco, Jeff Lightsey was supposed to be here tonight, but a scheduling conf- conflict very late in the game uh, made things a little a little tricky. But the always reliable, no ego, nothing. You ask him to do it, and he says when. You ask him to jump, and he says how high. Presley Myers here, ladies and gentlemen. Press, Vince, welcome in. How are we? You asked me to jump, and I say, on who? What, what were you doing? <laughs> what were you doing 20 minutes before the show? I was talking basketball. I was. That's how much you care about this university. I was I was chopping that's and how much. talking basketball. That's right. You're about to be Maybe talking. Say I don't care. You care so much, and that's why you're here tonight, to talk about a game that uh, a lot of people cared a lot about, and it was very frustrating. We've got uh, a lot of opinions, a lot of stats, a lot of data, and we're going to work through it all tonight. Obviously, as you can tell, no Matt McGavick, more softball to be played. I'm I'm ready for th- this little rivalry is going to start with this comment with ESPN Louisville. I'm ready for the gas bag seasons to be over. That's that's what I'm ready for. So that Matt can come home. I mean, do the gas bags really want me to put together a dream team and just come out there? I mean, we can run it. We, we should run it. We should, man. Yeah, for sure. The, the fact that we're not on that team just is giving them a much greater chance of losing. Is all that's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, Matt will return at some point. We're hoping to have a second show. I bet Matt's uh, of course the bike out. Oh, I for sure. He's that. whiffing. You know, he's he's out here whiffing like a Yankee, man. That's what he I'm Oh, like, oh, hey, oh, hey. Yankees don't need to get catch any strays here. <laughs> Next topic. From the Pink Seats Podcast, presented by our friends Kearns Corner on the State of Louisville Podcast Network, home to five original Louisville sports podcasts, stateoflouisville.com. You can find all of those there. 
Uh, and of course, we thank you all for subscribing, following, doing all that great stuff at the State of Lou on Twitter at Pink Seeds Pod. If you want to get involved with the show, we got a lot to get into tonight. Uh, but before we do that, we've got a, a little bit of a acknowledgement from Leo Weekly last week being a top three podcast in Louisville. So thank you to everyone who voted. Uh, and when I say everyone, I mean Matt's girlfriend, Kara, and uh, Vince's mom, apparently. But uh, Matt's girlfriend, Kara, has now officially done more for the show than Matt. So congratulations, Kara. We are very thankful for you. He always watches the dog. That's right. So that Maynard doesn't bark. Because back in the early days of the show, Maynard was a problem. Like, real re- recurring guests. Like, the first recurring guest of the show. Um, uh, Maynard and, and Potter. Uh, so that Where's was... The yeah. Packer Durham dog back in the day? Yeah. I mean, he was in he was in all the business. We'd have to get going, start, stop, all that good stuff. But I uh, want to thank everybody, though, for real, that, uh, that voted and... Uh, really more just, you know, listen, share stuff online, all that stuff. It means a lot to to get that acknowledgement, even though, as I mentioned, it's just our friends and family probably voting yeah. on that. Let's just be realistic. Appreciate but, the guys that's at, right. the, at the Leo for taking our bride. One dollar and a Kern's Corner chili. That's it. That's all you get. Hey, we can't we can't be number one. We, we <laughs> I mean, just slot us in at three and we'll be all right. I'm top three, but I'm not number one or two. But. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit for a little football. There's some fun stuff this weekend over the course of college football. It was a really interesting football weekend. Uh, I really got into gambling over the weekend, bet a lot of parlays, uh, and came up with some really bad beats uh, in the Washington and Oregon game. I've never been more invested in Pac-12 football than I was at the 3.30 Oregon and Washington game on Saturday as my wife and I ran errands and Trader Joe's. I'm screaming in the store, throw the ball to Rome! Like just very one, very much, but making sure that Michael Penix Jr. doesn't throw over 354 yards. So it was a great weekend. So I watched a lot of football, uh, but I did not watch the Stanford game on Friday night. I was asleep. And to wake up to that, pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. And what made it even better, I don't know if you all saw this, was the freaking Saturday Night Live skit with Keenan Thompson <laughs> as Deion Sanders. And I'm here for whatever Deion Sanders wants to do from now on this season. I'm on board because Keenan Thompson's going to be right there. Whatever it is, making sure that we see it. And it's going to make college football more fun. Anything Prime does, like, it's awesome. And it's like, man, I could run through a wall after he just said that. But at the same time, it's perfect uh, Saturday Night Live material. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It works so hand in hand. It really does. It's so outlandish that it, it you can't tell if it's if it's real or hyperbole. Uh, and so Saturday Night Live is the perfect home for that. And and Keenan Thompson, man, like you got to think like back to our childhood. Like who would have ever thought, you know, Keenan and Kel, Good Burger, you know, the their even the original Saturday Night Live would turn into Keenan Thompson starring as Lavar Ball. And now Deion Sanders. There's I mean, another it's just, Good Burger coming out too. I saw. I saw. I don't know. It's one of those movies, kind of like. White men can't jump. I don't think I can watch it. I just, I don't think I can ruin that movie. I mean, not that it was a great movie by any means, but it's just, it's a childhood legend. You can't, it's like if they made a smart house too. No, like, I, I, can't, really I can't do that. I haven't seen the original white men can't jump. And, you know, so technically nothing was ruined for me. That was just a funny movie for me. You haven't seen the original white men can't jump. No. Cause oh, in, dude. In, my, in my world, white men can jump. <laughs> Talk to my twenty-five inch vertical. That white man in your in your world is Jack Harlow, apparently. So, <laughs> uh, no, okay. Here's here's a fun fact about Keenan Thompson. He's been on Saturday Night Live for twenty years, twenty years, and on top of that, he is the first cast member born after the show premiered to be on the show. 
if that makes sense. So he's the first yeah. so weird yeah, 1975. Yeah. He's the first okay. cast member born after 1975. Pretty wild. How so, old is he? I mean, he's, he's 45 years old. Yeah, Who's your man. favorite Saturday Night Saturday Night Live cast member of all time? Ooh, of all Will time, Ferrell. yeah, I was gonna say Will Ferrell. Um, but speaking of Saturday Night Live uh, in New York, Mackay Beck did. I think he could be on Saturday Night Live in New York and be a part of that because uh, over the weekend he proved, and I think Presley, you tweeted this earlier. He might be the funniest offensive lineman ever. Um, and when you're six foot eight, you know, three hundred and sixty five pounds, and you move. Guys like Derek Barnett, who are all pro defensive linemen and without any issue, and then have the audacity to wave and point at them as they're on the ground, like as if Vince and I tried to quickly wrestle, like the outcome of that within the first two seconds would have been what that was for an all pro defensive end in Mackay Becton. Um, but how about the upset, man? Like the I'm okay losing games and bets, you know, if Mackay Becton's out here getting buckets like that throwing dudes out the club i'm like i'm here for it yeah it's it's weird like i kind of want this i kind of am rooting for the jets and like you know aaron Rodgers got hurt and you know i want to see zach wilson kind of do well i'm kind of rooting for the kid but uh seeing makai out there finally like healthy and moving around how he's supposed to be and i mean that just shows how much power he has in his strike and it's it sucks guys like Okay, his hands will swallow your hand. Like it, it's it's crazy. I mean, if you do a fist bump, you'll be like, "Wow, that's that's a meteor." Yeah. It's like the commercials of Boban Marjanovic. Uh, yeah, yeah. How many, how many goldfish can I put in my hand? Makai and Boban would be a good competition in that. <laughs> That's the content everybody needs. But it, it is it is really cool to see oh, him oh, out oh, there. Oh, 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 did you see him throwing out the first pitch? Or was supposed to throw out the first pitch for the Mets game, but it rained out? They showed Makai? a picture of the – yeah, they showed a picture of a baseball in his hand. It's stupid, dude. It is. It's stupid. You got to Google that after the podcast. It looks like an acorn. (laughs) I am here for that. That is great content. I'm all for that. Uh, Last thing in the NFL before we jump into Louisville, Lamar Jackson. I got up at 930. Zay Flowers ruined my first parlay of the day, not getting that 54 and a half. He got the touchdown for my fantasy team, so we're good to go there. But I have got to tell you all, if I woke up, right, if I fell asleep week 17 of last year, and I will or week 18. And I woke up this this season, this week, last week. You couldn't convince me that Ravens team is any different offensively. You couldn't. You couldn't do it. You couldn't tell me. They look the same to me, man. They're just boring. They're boring. They're flat out boring. And Lamar Jackson, until the end of that game with that run that, you know, kind of took over social media, outside of the Zay Flowers touchdown. One, they can't really protect him consistently like like they did a couple of years ago. But it's just they don't move the ball. Like they they just don't move the ball very well. They don't check their freaking injury report list after week one. It looks like a damn, I don't even know, like a, a cheesecake factory menu. Here's what I'll say to that. Go out, second round, third round pick, and either send it to Las Vegas for Josh Jacobs or to New York for Saquon Barkley. And get Lamar a running back. Get Lamar a running back. Why would you not? Why would you not get Lamar a running back? Well, right the thing now? is, that's what is it like, is. I don't blame the Ravens going into the season, you know, wanting to ride it out with J.K. Dobbins. Like he's a good running back. It's just you're gambling on him being healthy, and they gambled. And I mean, I feel terrible to say this, but he'll be lucky to return to play 
at all. Sure, he will because he's in there rehabbing with Aaron Rodgers, and I believe he probably got the same surgery as Aaron. So, you think he's taking mushrooms like Aaron probably is? <laughs> They're four and two. Um, Lamar has done enough in in most games that they've played this season to win. Um, and yet it's still just it's I don't know. It's it's hard to watch. It's not what I expected with uh, that high powered offensive coordinator they hired from Georgia. Uh, that they uh, raved about. I was listening to the guys on Pardon My Take this morning. They were talking about there being a potential Super Bowl in England. I I won't watch that. No, no that, I just want to let that be known. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That you. What would you call? Uh, what would you call a team team from England? The London Silly Nannies. Yeah, you call them the the London. Uh, yeah. You know, Tea Treaty. I don't know, that thing. Coats. Yeah, they'd have a really ugly like throwback red coat uniform. Mm-hmm. Before we bore the hell out of our audience, let's go ahead and let's transition to Louisville. Unfortunately, takes an L for the first time this season. And after the 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 activities online leading up to this game, like it makes it a little funny, like just a little funny that yeah. Pat Narduzzi <laughs> got so mad that he DM'd Bring Brom home, and the just the juxtaposition that the Bring Brom home guy finds himself in this season, like he is the hero we needed but was the most hated guy in Louisville this time last year. Like you couldn't put out a single tweet without getting the hashtag. <laughs> I told Presley, like he's been muted on my personal account up until this, like up until a couple weeks ago. And like, he might like become my favorite follow at this point after the content that we saw from Pat Narduzzi. But um, it really was a doozy for Louisville 38, 21. Um, the score doesn't, it doesn't tell the full story. And this is a game. I'm not going to hear, in my personal opinion, I'm not going to hear any excuses. This is a game you do not lose. Like I'm so I I understand it was a trap game. A lot of people claimed that they predicted Louisville was going to lose this game, or that we saw it coming from a mile away. I'm sorry, I'm not one of them. I'm not. And you, can, how do you see a loss coming from a mile away? I'm not here for any of that. If you're like, sitting over here thinking your team's going to lose, then what are you doing? Well, like, you got to be realistic sometimes, Vincent. Like, yeah, I know. Well, like, that obviously, if we play Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, correct. You're, you're stuff right. Stuff like that, but we're playing Pitt. Like, and it I, was like, a, I, it was a one and four Pitt team coming in with a new starting quarterback, coming in with three offensive linemen, ultimately in the game, uh, being out with injury. You're talking about yes, the the field was in terrible conditions, and look. Presley talked uh, at length last week with with real data and facts, not some stupid narrative that fans are like, I don't want to hear the end. It, it was a part of the game. It really was. It was a part of the game plan. It was a part of how the action unfolded. The field conditions were not great. It wasn't a good situation. But ultimately, you you get the cards that you're dealt, and you got to play football. If you're a big-time team, you buckle that chin strap up, you go to work, and you win football games. Okay, I don't say that from experience because that's not anything I ever did. But that's what you do, theoretically, with a football team. Well, and I they mean, like, they didn't you do look it. At, you look at Pitt, and it's like – Certain place people like to say this Louisville football or like Louisville football embodies the city or the basketball team embodies the city and stuff. Like you have to expect that with the team from Pitt as well. I mean, you're you're gonna expect a hard nosed, gritty, tough football team. That's like that's what they are. That's what the, that's what the city is. That's, that's what the people are. So, I mean, that's kind of that's the team that we got. You know, that's the team we played against, and you know, to me. Uh, there was just a lot, a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, I don't know. You don't come out of this game leading in most of statistics, right? 
Look, besides score, obviously 38-21 the final score, but Louisville 28 first downs, 13 first downs for Pittsburgh. Louisville gains 430 yards of total offense to 288 for Pittsburgh. They throw for 350, which with Jack, man, if you gave me that statistic blindly last week, you told me Jack throws for 350. Actually, you know what? If you told me Jack throws 52 times for 350 yards, I might have told you Louisville was going to lose, actually, now that I think about it. But in reality, you walk away – the only statistic you get out you get outmatched in is rushing. They run for eight more yards, and this is a team that couldn't run the football worth a damn coming into this game. All around, just a systems failure from the start of this game. Just all systems failure. The beginning of the game, though, good, golden. You look like you're good to go. Throughout the entirety to the fourth quarter, you have a chance to win this game. Ultimately, you get smacked. 17 points. This is the Georgia Tech loss from 2020. Sorry, Vince. This is the Georgia Tech loss from yeah, 2020. This is what it looked like. It was almost yeah. an identical score. You're in the game with two minutes to go, and then all of a sudden, just like that, it's out of hand. Um, there are a lot of things that we can talk about, and we will talk about them. A lot of concerns uh, with how the game folded, uh, unfolded, but not a lot of concerns in how this is going to impact the season. I don't think anybody's jumping off this bandwagon thinking that this is not a good football team. Clunkers happen. You, it's all about how you bounce back. They get a bye week. Let's see on the other side what it looks like. But still, there are there are a lot of things in this game from coaching to quarterback play to defense that make you say, what the hell, man? What the hell? So, Vince, Vince's game notes this week. I think there's a lot of stuff in here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna provide my insights this week that n- nobody asked for, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it I always love when you provide here. your insights. So it's well, not I just appreciate that. All right. Well, let's jump in. Vince's game notes, a lot of good stuff to dive into. What do we got? It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lacoco. Well, I mean, Jacob, let's talk about the opening drive. It was awesome. It was great. You know, exactly like what we always expect. A Jeff Brom scripted coming out football team. You know, we're likely going to put points on the board. And what is going like? I, I have it in the notes. Things that are going through my head at this time. And I even text you guys. Picture my beer where I'm watching the game. You know, text my friend Jordan Mudd. I'm like texting him about the game. I'm like, all right, here we go. Blowout. Boom. Thrash. Must not be hurt too bad because he's out here catching what he had four receptions. Three or four, I mean, out three receptions maybe. He had multiple receptions regardless. That first series, enough to make you say maybe this wrist isn't going to be that big of an issue. And, you know, I see him catch those balls and my mind goes back to Jalen Smith and his injury. Uh, you know, and how, how hard it was for him to catch balls with a very, extremely large wrist brace on. I don't know if you guys remember Mississippi State bowl game in 2017. He couldn't even hold the football in that hand. Uh, you know, and also, I mean, they were talking about Jaws being out. I was, you know, seeing him out there the first drive as well. I'm, I'm all positivity. This is great. Everything negative they were saying pregame you know, is, is turning into right. positive. Exactly. And let me just say that drive, they never go past second down. Like that's the kind of drive you want, right? Yeah. First down, second down, first down, first down, second down, touchdown. Like that's beauty. And how about my guy, my slant King, Chris Bell, baby. There you go. That slant, yes. The crispness on that slant route, man. Woo. Made daddy proud. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Bro. And I mean, no, that stuff, Jacob, like I know I rag on you about the slants and stuff, but in the red zone, I mean, that's all day. Chris Bell stuff that like that. Six. Six two two twenty five. Oh, hit it! Hit him in the chest. He's he's gonna catch the ball. 
uh, that, you know, first defensive drive, it was a good drive. We ended up getting a stop. But what really bothered me was Jalen Alderman had a play there that, you know, you you don't think about it at that time period. But looking back at it now, you're like, damn, if he would have caught that interception right there, uh, I think it was it ended up being a batted the ball incomplete pass. But if he would have caught the interception, he had enough green grass. Mr. Pick six could have been gone for another one, you know, and that's obviously points we would have loved to have had whenever it, you know, got down to crunch time. Uh, Brownlee got beat across his face on uh, the long touchdown uh, pass, which it was basically the wide receiver just stuck outside and he took the bait. It wasn't anything tricky. It was a one step and a stick and at the line of scrimmage and he had him beat from that point on. It was kind of the same thing. Uh, we spoke about it last week against Notre Dame. Uh, Sam Hartman's pick, uh, I think it's the second one that he threw, uh, the tipped pass, the over route to the tight end. I mean, it was the same thing. We were beat across our face there. It was just we had enough pressure to get to Sam. And, we, I mean, we didn't have enough pressure this whole game to get to anybody. And, uh, you know, a lot of that had to deal with Ashton getting chipped, the ends getting chipped a lot. And that's something that Ashton has to think about the entirety of the season now. You know, and he's such a force. He is such a freak of nature that if you don't get a body on him, he's a matchup nightmare for any tackle, for any running back, for anybody you basically put him up against. Uh, so in doing that, that's going to open other people up like Mason Ryger, which is why you're seeing him making a couple more plays and a couple more sacks and stuff like that, like Stephen Heron. Uh, but I hate you, – you saw him run past a lot of stuff again, be it runs or, you know, sacks. Uh, just, you know, come a little bit more under control. And maybe that has to do with the bat, poor field conditions. You know, you can't put any excuses out there because uh, Pitt was playing in the same same thing. Uh, but here we are in the game. This is where I'm, this is where I was at. Yo, I was, we're up 14, seven and I'm feeling great. You know, I'm, it's ugly, but it's exactly kind of what I expect in a game versus Pitt. You know, like Pitt is, I, I said it earlier, they're hard nose. It's a hard nose city, uh, blue collar people. It's going to be a hard fought football game. That, that's how they play. And, but I'm feeling good. They started. They started the game well, in my opinion. Yeah, I there, mean, there were a few missed opportunities here and there, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, they they had they had a great opportunity early to kind of go down and make it. Uh, I think it was fourteen nothing. I mean, in 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 reality, you know, I would have liked to see it be twenty eight to ten or twenty eight fourteen at halftime, as opposed to twenty one fourteen. Yes, you know, I, for I, I think sure. they could have been leading by more. Uh, just my personal opinion from what I saw out there. I thought Louisville kind of, you know, played a better first half than 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 Pitt did. To be honest with you, they looked like the better, more talented team in the first half. And and that's what I was I was anticipating, Presley, because everybody's talking about us on the road, and Jack's obviously a completely different football player on the at home opposed to on the road. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, how are we going to respond coming out of halftime with the lead again on the road? You know, we did it against IU, and we didn't. You know, we didn't accumulate any points in the second half. So, <laughs> I was, I mean, at halftime, I'm feeling a little bit differently. I mean, first first series, I'm running in the house. I'm like, oh, Pitt sucks. Like, we got this. This is a wrap, y'all. And I'm sure everybody else felt the same way. But it, it's just one wheel on the bus fell off right after the other. I feel like in the first half, it was more noticeable 
at least to me, than any other point in the game. The pass rush looked like they were playing in sand. I mean, they looked like they were playing a completely different on a completely different surface than they had ever touched before. It, it looked as if they did not trust the steps they were taking. And I think the offensive line looked a little bit similar. Like they just weren't comfortable ever. And so that speed, that aggression that they play with from a pass rushing standpoint, especially Ashton um, and, and even, you know, Des and, and the guys up front. Yeah. They just one, two steps slow and they just weren't even getting close. It felt like, and I don't know if that was, you know, like worrisome about slipping Jacob or, what but in in weather situations like that you always want to have shorter choppier steps you know and maybe the guys were just taking shorter choppier steps and Pitts used to playing on a field like that and they get one two steps ahead and that's you know how they get the yards and everything i don't know i don't know what it was but i agree with you 100 percent uh talking about you know we'll talk about jack a little bit right now and you know one of the things that's Starting to well, it was, it's been a problem at this point. Is Jack being able to hold on to the football in the pocket, and it's the throwing the ball away way too late, and just dropping, flopping something out there, getting a flag, or this past game throwing the ball two hand with a two hand chest pass. I've never I've seen never, that before. Football. Never seen that in my in my effing life, man. I mean, it was it was frustrating to see that in the the int. I mean, that's. I put blame at first. I didn't want to put blame on Jack. I wanted to put blame on the receivers because uh, the INT, it was a pick route, right? And the receivers did not. I think it was his first interception because he had two, right? Yes, it was yeah, his it was first the, interception. The, the so like, yeah, yeah, to yeah, Jamar. Pick six. Yeah. So they ran the pick route. And I wanted to initially blame the receivers because it, it looked like they didn't run close enough together to pick their men. But what really happened was Pitt's corner gave ground right there and let him run his slant and played over top of it. And that outside backer played it beautifully, did exactly what he's coached to do, get two hands on that guy right there as he's crossing your face to throw him off track. Through That's why Jack was complaining for a P.I. Because he yeah. did what he, that, that linebacker did exactly what he's taught to do. He got two hands on within five yards. That is a clean play right there. He should not be complaining about a pass interference. What he should have did was held the ball for just a click longer. Just one just one second longer to get Jamari get one more step and we're good. I don't know if it was the him being antsy in the pocket and not feeling comfortable back there with, you know, obviously Pitts getting a lot of pressure on us. He's having to move around a little bit. Uh and let's talk about that sack uh that I sent you guys a picture of the one on the first I was it wasn't the first drive, was it? Uh, it was. It was early on. It was from. Shane it was early Simon. on in the game, right? Yeah. And it's middle linebacker. I sent you guys. I'm like, y'all. This is just counting right here. Like, where would you anticipate the blitz to come from? I mean, the linebacker, the darn Mike linebacker, was mugged up, damn near in the a gap. He was about three yards off the ball, right? And that's a normal linebacker depth is four to five yards. So you see that, and you're like, okay, there's a tip right there, and it's a numbers game at that point. Ball snapped. You got to be able to anticipate that guy coming right there, and step and move. You got to know that that Mike linebacker is coming in that a gap. And there were a lot of situations like that. I wish Jack would evaluate a little bit pre-snap better, uh, both coverage and blitz wise. He struggled with it in the NC State game, uh, and th- those are two areas I think he should really improve on. And it comes a lot with his cadence. We talked about it 
previously as well, it's as soon as they motion, you know, and the guy gets set in the motion, people are moving. You know, you got to be able to look up and see, okay, maybe it's him throw his arm down and tell Brian, hey, you know, this series we're going to go on two arm downs. You know, throw the arm down once, get a look, throw it down again. I'm ready for the ball. Now snap it to me. Because after that first arm that he's throwing down, people are moving. I don't think, personally, I don't know if he is, but personally, I do not think he's seeing. And that's causing for a lot of mayhem and a lot of havoc to happen. And 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 Pitt, a lot of this game was just sending a numbers game at us. It was a lot of just they have more guys than we do. People aren't hanging in for protection. We didn't have enough guys, or maybe Brian didn't slide it the right way. It was, I mean, there was a lot of it going on, y'all. And it was – I'm glad it happened this game and not Duke. That's all, <laughs> all I'm saying. Let's move on. Second half, man. Start with the – start with the – oh, I'm pissed. We'll talk about it. it. Go ahead. Start with it. Okay. The end of the drive, I t- at the end of the first half, I tweeted, this is why you defer the ball. Louisville had just scored. Isaac Gary and do they go on a seven-play drive? Well, seven plays, it wasn't long, 58 seconds only. They went bam, 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 score a touchdown. Yeah. They take the lead, 21-14. You're going into halftime. You're feeling good. You get the ball back. 28-14, you're a different team on the other side if you do that. They come out. They run on first down with Mo Turner, three yards. Not a bad first down. Run on. They throw on second down. Kevin Coleman goes nowhere. Uh, I think it was like a behind the line of scrimmage type of throw, and they, they were trying to get something outside. Couldn't set up the blocking for it. They come back on third down. They they throw Jamari Thrash in there, one yard short. It's the one of the one of two plays where Jamari Thrash is a yard short. They just missed the the sticks. Like it was, he would come back and miss the sticks by about a half of a yard. Um, and did that twice in this game. But on fourth and one, you come out in a shotgun on fourth and one, and you run the ball. When you have a quarterback who is six foot five, you have two running backs. You you mean to tell me you couldn't give the ball to Isaac Gariendo out of the out of the uh, taking the ball under center and just formation Dwayne Martin. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Dwayne Martin in the first half was throwing hands. Like, he was giving everyone problems. Mo Turner's Turner's long run that he had was set up by, who do you know, Dwayne Martin on a seal block. It was pretty. I saw him sit there and question which guy he was going to get. I don't know if you all saw it. If you go back and watch it, it's pretty funny because he stares his feet for a second. He's like, oh, I want this corner. That corner was enticing the shit out of him, but he hung in there and sealed off the backer so Mo could get get out there. Keep going, though. I mean, I agree with you, bro. You do that, and you turn the ball over, and now all of a sudden, it's a completely different game. Now, Pittsburgh only gets a field goal. They're not able to take advantage of that. But then Louisville comes back, and they punt the football, right? This is the play where – uh, they take the they take the second sack of the game, and then they have the running into the kicker and the personal foul where Ashton pushes um the, pushes the guy out of bounds, and and it was not a penalty. The guy was still in bounds. I, I will I, never I understand that. Way. Yeah, I, but you then you give them the ball, and you give you know it's an offsetting penalty, and Pittsburgh comes back and they score and they take the lead, and then from that point on, well, I shouldn't say from that point on. But then, because then you have the Jamari Thrash high school Harry into the the tumble that would have been a pick six. Oh my God! How do you not hit that, dude? I That's mean, like, what I'm like Thrash. You're talking about the one where he went to go crash down on the linebacker and he yes, went out, and, and, and we hit it, we hit it, and we, we hit got perfect. yards. But that's a touchdown play. He man. falls down. That's, he does like a forward somersault type of thing. Uh, like well, he's that, all about kids. So like that you know, was like that type of thing. I thought it was a bad pass from Plummer. Yes, it was. Personally. That's that's a you got to step up and deliver a strike on that, Wait, man. Well, and, and not only that, 
Thrash was so open, just hit him. Yeah. Like he he overthrew him. Yeah. And maybe Jamari is supposed to stop, keep running there. I don't know what it Underthrow is. Underthrow him on his right shoulder. Jamari's not a seventh grade wide receiver football player. Jamari can baseball turn to the right and catch that ball. Like it's no, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. It was just, it, the ball wasn't, it, it, the ball wasn't where it, it needed to be. And, you know, it, it's so important, even when you're wide open with the footing on that field. I mean, I, you know, I'll say that until the cows come home. I said that before the game, uh, I said this in preseason, you know, Louisville plays three games at NC state at Pitt at Miami, where the field conditions aren't going to be what they're used to. And I know it sounds stu- silly and stupid, but there's a reason why, uh, especially Pitt and NC State are hard places to play. And when you when you factor weather into it, I mean, Pitt, Pitt plays on a high-usage field, and there's a reason why they have a good home field advantage. And part of that is because it's just a shitty place to play. The weather always sucks. The grass is a little bit longer. Uh, you know, it, it holds a little bit more water. It's more like playing on like a – you know, like a youth peewee football field. Uh, you know, I, I know they they have like I, I did a lot of research on this. They have the the facilities and the infrastructure to have a solid quality field. But ultimately, there's a reason why Baltimore switched over. You know, similar region uh, to to turf. There's a reason why a lot of these teams are have have turf fields because it's very difficult to to manage uh, a bluegrass field on October, you know, whatever it was, October 12th, October 11th, whatever day they played football. That that play is was the epitome of this game because it should have been a touchdown. Louisville should have had the lead. Three plays later, they throw a pick six. Yeah, pick six, right? And then – and Vince, I'm going to take over for just for Go a second. For Let me drive the, drive the whip here for a second. Let me drive a boat uh, for just a second, right? Okay. So you come back the next drive. You get the ball back. You're down by 10. And this is where I take exception to the the number of times you start to run the ball or start to throw the ball. Like it, we talked to Drew Snyder right before the season, and he said that Jeff Brom in tendencies has a and situations has a tendency to to neglect the run and to go away from it, to distrust it. And I understand that in the second half they weren't getting what they got in the first half. But when you have Mo Turner and Isaac Garriendo who are big guys, bell cows that can move the yard, move the sticks. You can still use the run. Even when you're down by 10 with 14 minutes in the fourth quarter, there's still an ability to run the ball. Let me. So I think Isaac definitely is the, is the belt, like the hammer. You can hand him the ball and he is going to run an MF or over. But Mo is that dude that he's a lot like jaws. Like he can turn like something that is supposed to be six yards into 35, 40 yards. It's that, you know, it's the jump cuts. It's the being able to stick a foot in the ground and get north and south and stuff. Like, he just has a, that different speed, that different cut, explosive power. Like, that's what I was really confused with, Jacob, is like, why would you – it just didn't make – and to throw the ball 52 times. It is, didn't make sense. It, it just – it's not what you would expect – Um from what we've seen so far. And yeah, I'll give you Jeff Brom doesn't have jaws, right? So maybe it's a little bit of a less confident ability to run the football. But after that, that scenario where they throw the interception for the pick six, it's 31 20 when they come back and Jimmy Callaway has an absolutely incredible catch. Like one of the best catches of the season. Next play, Jimmy Callaway can't catch the football right off his hands and chest, right into the defender's hands. And here we go, right? 31 21. They come back. 
I'm still feeling good. I think this is when I texted you guys. I have faith. I still I still feel like Louisville can win this football game. They come back. They get three and out. Ronnie Hammond Jr., three carries. Bam, bam, bam. Jermaine Lole says, hey, I still play here. You all forget. Destroys awesome. Rodney Hammond. Yeah, He's it was awesome, awesome man. man. I need more of that. Need more of that. They come back on the next drive. They pass the ball five times. They run the ball two times. At this point in the game, it is still on the line. The differential is 40 passes. 25 runs but jacob okay. i hate the fact that the passes are the it's the it's the it's the deep outs it's that deep crazy balls that like right you heard we heard reggie talk about it like the hardest ball to throw is that like deep out from the opposite hash now whether or not that's the exact route we were throwing i know we threw at least one of the deep out routes and that's the one that where i text you jacob earlier today i'm like oh my god i can't believe this like I put it in our note, like hitches, things like that. That is Jack's bread and butter, the intermediate game. Like just like Thrash was what a yard or two short of that first down earlier in the game on a hitch. Yeah. Like with any time that we need to get Jamari Thrash the ball and get Jack Plummer in a groove, it needs to be hitches because that seems to be the thing to do. Like we can get yards off that and you can run the ball off that because guess what? You're spreading people out now. And you put it out there in ace, you get one blocker. You, they either have to match you. On the outsides, or we're running it up the gut. You think Jeff knew that ACC officials don't like Louisville? Like, do you think he knew? Because I feel like he learned in this game. Because Shit. I feel late he on those two drives. That. On uh, and you obviously saw like earlier in the season, right? The challenged cut touchdown catch from Jade, from Jaden Jade, uh, Thompson touchdown easy. What what are we doing here? You have the same thing in this game early in the play where it is a very obvious catch. Fucking overturn it. Let's just do it. The first set, the first time the announcer was like, I think he said something like he kind of questioned it of some, and I'm like, no, that's an incomplete pass. We already know what's coming. They're going to review it. There was several missed interceptions, uh, several missed pass interference calls, and I think late Jeff is getting Jamari one on one, and he's just hoping that they're going to do more pass interference like that. I mean, that's what you you know they did it a couple of times in the first half, even the second half. But I am with you, Vince. I will not understand. That game was not out of reach, even until the final four and five minutes. Louisville could have scored, come back. The defense was giving them everything they needed. Everything they needed. Louisville was the Louisville's defense was taking care of it. Now, I mean, now what now? Yes, I agree with you. I mean, that's what my dad texted me about that, you know, this morning. He's like that, you know, offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. Always will. I mean, that's how it get guess who wins if we score three points and they score zero. We do. It, and exactly. hey, Brock, that's, I that's would have just... liked that three points, Brock. I mean, look, I'm not ah, gonna be... ah, yeah. That three points, you know, at least gives you momentum to feel like it's a one possession game. If he misses that in, in better weather conditions, I'm a lot angrier than I Right. Am. I was going to say, I, I'll give you that. Let's, as let's soon say, as they, as soon as they had that like fourth and two, fourth and three, I was like, please keep the offense on the field. You can get Brock closer later in the game. Right now, you need to advance, or you get the brought closer on that drive. You know, it just felt like if you're going to go for it on your own, whatever, 34 or whatever it was, the first drive or the first half, in that weather, I mean, like, we, we, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, you know, it looks like it's going to clear up for the, for the start of the game, or, you know, it looks like it was, you know, just kind of piss and rain the entire game. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, a, a torrential downpour, like it was manageable. Obviously, Pitt scored thirty-one points. Like an old man trying to pee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it was just, just a constant, just annoying, steady rain on that crappy field. And I mean, 
I'm just telling you, like, it just didn't feel like the right time to kick a field goal. And as soon, like, I, I looked at Megan as soon as they lined it up, I was like, we're losing the game if we try to kick this field goal. 100%. Yeah. It's nothing against Travelstead, nothing against anybody on the team, nothing against the coaches. I just didn't feel like that was the right decision at that time to take that field goal in those conditions. You know, if you get a first down there and say you get three more chances and you advance it five more yards, that makes all the difference in the world right there. Uh, and Brock, he, that that's his miss. That just little push right where you'd miss it just a little to the right. Uh, that's That's been his miss pretty much this whole, you know, the, the entire season if, if he misses. So, um, but no, to, to get to your point real fast, Vince, as well, Jamari Thrash, 18 targets in this game. I'm not sure Louisville should have thrown the ball 18 times in this game. They threw it 52, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. But I'm not sure they should they should throw it much more than 18 times the entire game in, in those conditions. They threw it 18 times just to Jamari Thrash. And he in, uh, and injured Jamari Thrash. I would have liked him. Where's Jamari Huggins Bruce? That's what I was just about to say. Why the hell are we not throwing? What, what I, about Chris Bell? I mean, Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris Bell had five targets on on the on the or in the game. Five, he caught four of them. And four. It's just, I mean, yeah, Chris Chris Bell feels like a guy that's that's made for that type of game. And not to kind of like steal, steal your thunder, Jacob, but like it, in this sort of game, you a Jamari Thrash and a Amari Huggin Bruce, Kevin Coleman, they they can be an asset, but. Their their specialty is kind of gaining some separation, getting free at the line. Chris Bell is just going to run through a motherfucker's face. Like Chris yeah. Bell's going to like yeah. he's going to take advantage of you in that first five yards. Chris Bell's going to make the guy a that you match. run that slant with Jacob. Yes, and exactly. you hit him right in the chest, and, and he's going to get you about eight. And you know it doesn't it doesn't make sense that I mean pretty much when you when you look across the the targets, so you have eighteen for Thrash, eight for Callaway, ten for Coleman. Right there, that's the max amount of passes you should have had in that game, like maximum. You're down by 30. You shouldn't pass it that many times. Uh, and then only five to Chris Bell and then three to Garendo. And that's really it. Like everything else was just kind of spread out. Uh, yeah. Two targets to Mario Huggins for zero catches. It's like it, it just feels like, um, you know, Jeff Brom wanted to go into his – back to his Purdue ways of kind of just – just going back to that quote unquote go-to receiver. You guys talked about it so much in the off season. He has just had, has this knack for finding a guy that he can go to when they need it the most. However, I mean, you have a lot of talent on this team and it doesn't feel like Jamari, an injured. It doesn't feel like an injured Jamari thrash in the rain is a guy that you need to start throwing deep outs to the entire, the entire and his brothers half. are good enough coaches to where, I mean, just call your ball game guys. Y'all yeah, yeah. are don't d- football is not that people try and reinvent the wheel so much. Like y'all yeah. are just good ball coaches go out there and call your game and right, everything right. will take care of itself. It, it, it felt like in a sense, maybe uh, the Brahms really trust Jamari to just get open. Like they, but it it just became a one read thing. It was just Jamari Thrash and whoever number twelve is, uh, for for Pittsburgh. Jacob, you're better with names than I am. Uh, the guy that had the pick six, and it was just that. It was just that one on one battle all game yeah. long. And they're trying to come back, trying to come back, and they just keep going to Thrash, keep going to Thrash, keep going to Thrash. Uh, sprinkling some Kevin Coleman, and it's like, at some point, like you got to do what you do well. Like they ran the ball really well this game. It just it didn't make sense to me why they approached the game the way that they did. 
obviously I don't make six million dollars or whatever you know whatever Jeff Brum makes. I don't make four million dollars a year. Uh, you know I, I don't have a, a, a great offensive reputation. I didn't just dominate Notre Dame. So what the heck do I know what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you could kind of see it on TV, just kind of unfolding right in front of us. Like they weren't going away from something that wasn't going to help them win the game. And that's what concerns me. What, you know, I saw a quote like right before we hopped on air and it was a clip from uh, Shannon Sharp and Ocho Cinco on their podcast. And uh, Shannon was talking about, uh, oh, his coach for the Broncos, Coach Shanahan. Uh, Shannon had just had like 180 yards, like nine receptions, a couple touchdowns, and he was out the entire offseason and everything. And he was expecting Coach Shanahan, he called him up in the office, you know, to praise him after the game and everything like oh like you know coach is gonna be so hyped i went out there and balled out without having this offseason well coach shanahan sat him down cut the film on and was showing miss block not enough effort here you cut your route short here you know all the negative stuff that he did wrong and he said i can never accept anything in a win that i wouldn't in a loss so to me i feel like a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now it's a lot of the stuff that we've been discussing the entirety of the year. You know, it's all yeah. the stuff like in a win that we have been able to masquerade and cover up with because it's a win. But now, you know, we've, we finally, the haze in the barn now, and you know, it's a, it's a loss. So it, is. it is. How are it's... they going to respond on this bye week? There's a lot of stuff to correct on the bright side. We're six and one. We could. That's be a much really worse. bright. That's a really bright yes. side. This like... is, this is, you know, what will we say beforehand, Jacob? Before this, let's be five and zero going into Notre Dame. We beat Notre Dame, and we're like, "Oh shit!" Now we're six and zero. We never thought about what happened after six and zero. I think you and I both picked Louisville to lose to Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken, in our season like game by game predictions. I think, but that's before we knew Pittsburgh was going to be one and four, right? Like yes. different story. But we both felt like at the time that high of Notre Dame into Pitt was the trap but- game. But regardless, all this stuff, the moral of what I'm trying to say there is like all the stuff that was glaring and these huge issues and these wins have come back to bite us in the ass. Yeah. And this loss right here. They're not a complete team yet. They're not. They're six no. and one, but they're not a complete team. Which is still so, cool to say that a six and one football team has not played a complete game of football. Yeah. Outside of, you know, beating a top 10 team and rushing the field. I, I was going mean, to say, I, I'd, I'd say so, Notre Dame was pretty yeah, about close as complete. To no, no, no. It wasn't Did perfect. we score on special teams? Score on special teams. <laughs> it was, no, and they score didn't score on, on defense. No, they, they didn't uh, score on they defense. Did. But they played good yeah, defense, but, right? But so you, say, you don't have to score to beat three Facebook. Right. Oh, I'm so glad that this podcast shoots for good, not great. Oh, get out of my face. <laughs> I mean, uh, you when you talk about they played well in all three facets, I didn't think they played well in any facet against Pitt, to be honest with you. Uh, no. You know, the, the, the running offense and – the way that they played on the offensive line in the first half, I thought was really solid. Can I make a point about that? I just, I got yeah. some data here, right? Yeah. I use my, my calculator, my dirty yeah. phone screen. Goodness PowerPoint, gracious. PowerPoint, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you all two sets of numbers. Okay? okay. And this is to me a big issue of why I have a problem with 52 passes. Okay. One of the numbers is 7.93. The other number is 2.42. Which number do you like better? Uh, depends on if you're talking about our offense or our defense. 
Well, that's a good point. I'm talking about our offense and our run game. Which, I'll which take 7.93 like for a thousand. 7.93 is the yards per carry in which Mo Turner and Isaac Giriendo finished the game. Out of their 25 carries, they finished with 7.9 yards per carry. When you factor in Jack Plummer and his six for negative 47, you're looking at Louisville at a 2.4 yard per carry game. So that's why the, when people say, oh, the rushing game wasn't that good, they only gained 80 yards. Mr. Well, Mr. Watson that tweeted, watch the games, not saying you need to watch the games, but you're right. People need to watch the games. That's the point. 33 for 80 is not good. But when you're talking about your two top running backs combining for 7.93 yards a carry, that's a, that's a first down and two carries. I'll take that every day of the week. Let's go. Yeah. And and it's that, that bullshit thing that college football does where they count sacks as, as negative rushing yards. Yes. That's, it's so stupid. It's what, so dumb. It's what dumb, a, but it, what a just dumb, stay up, dumb, stay up dumb right. thing to do. Stay upright. You won't have that problem. I'm, I'm driving up to Don't Indianapolis right now to have a talk with, with some, Someone. Dude that makes way too much money to ruin sports. Yeah, he's got a secretary that's not going to let you in. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I, I, I just the passing is what will perplex perplex me. But at the end of the day, let's just reset the field here. It's not the it's not the end of the world. Louisville season is not over. Scott Satterfield does not become the coach if you lose a game. There's nothing that <laughs> requires you to be undefeated. Like yes, we would all. We if you all, say his name three times in the mirror, he'll appear. <laughs> we all thought. Louisville would have a big season, something special. Still you tell me, you tell me what's changed. One loss ain't going to define that. There's the a lot of football to be played, right? Oven. Cake is still in the oven, and there's a ranked Duke team, and there is probably a somewhat ranked Boys, Miami. I'm so happy this game did not happen against Duke. At like all, I can, man. we I can talk At through all, a Pittsburgh man. loss. I I can I can't do this with Duke. I won't I won't function. Yeah, Vince is gonna cancel the show the week if I'll that's move. not gonna happen. We're not. Even I'll move. I'll move to starting five oh two. We want to <laughs> cover bass. I'm here yeah. to break down Louisville and Bethune Cookman. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, would Vince would be like, uh, so why are there only five guys on the floor? On this, we have eleven. No. <laughs> no. Vince is the guy, like I had a buddy, you guys both have met Tyler. Tyler was the guy that was a football player, but tried to play basketball. It was so aggressive oh that he would God. foul out like immediately. That's Vince playing basketball. No, right? I could actually hoop, bro. I got five fouls and I'm using Stop. all five of them like that. <laughs> I could hoop. I could hoop. Anybody that played basketball with me knew I could hoop. All right, man. Let's do this. I'm definitely locking update. your shit up any day of the week. Hey, let me get back in shape. I got, I got the, the, the see. That's the key that, factor with you guys. It's always I got, let me get back in shape. I stay in shape. Look, man, I got the fat that hangs over the side of my pants, the muffin top. Like you got to give me a little bit, man. It's not, it's not going to be a good look for me. I don't need to get in shape. I'm mentally tough. <laughs> see exactly. You get fucking P dog out there, and he'll 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 do some CrossFit for you. That's right. That's well, right. I'll throw, I'll throw some bows. Don't you worry. We should just do Murph and see who dies first. All right, you man. Know what that for? Is? I don't know. I don't. It's, uh, a mile run, run with 100 push ups, 100 sit ups, uh, 100 pull ups, uh, right? Or, yeah, 100 pull ups, and then another mile run. I will tell you, if I had to predict someone out of us three to do that, it would be you. But if I had to include oh, my no, wife, wouldn't. no, wouldn't. out of us, no, you're oh. running. No, you're you fine. know how many pull ups I can do? More than me. Like one. I we do like com- sets of one. <laughs> we can combine and, and pull our numbers. But what I was going to say, though, is my wife. She could do that, like straight up right now. I think she, the hundred pushups might be a challenge. The hundred sit ups, the two miles, she could do it without issue. She is a 
I, I I told you I got the fat on the sides, man. It's not a good look for me right now. Josh Hurd would kill that shit, bro. <laughs> it's it's an Oktoberfest. Oh my god, yeah. Jo- <laughs> you could just look at Josh Hurd's jawline and know that he'd kill the Murph. Bro, yeah. I thought like I texted y'all about doing that run. And I saw Ryan Shalfo that tailgate, and I'm like, oh, what what was the run like? It's like, oh, it's four miles. Yeah, like, what, but at like, hell, a, like Josh? a 630 pace, probably. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's do this quickly. Sack King update, not a lot. One sack. Not a, not a ton of storylines here, but I will say things are catching up. It's heating up a little bit in the kitchen, okay? We got we got a race. At least someone's making this thing competitive because before Ashton Gelati was set to run away with this, still sitting at that six and a half sacks, his first game, I believe, this season without a sack, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So a um, little bit uh, of that to discuss, but our one sack of the week goes to our guy, Mason Riger. So how about Mason Ryger? Three games, three sacks. How about that? I mean, that's it, a stat line. And, and there's a reason we, we always, call. There's a reason we call him the Ian Pfeiffer of the defense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ian only scored touchdowns. He had a hell of a Mason, celebration too. Mason only makes big plays, man. Like he's if if there's a little play to be made, he just sits that out. Oh, he's I'm like, I'm good. Sure. I'll let somebody else make the little play. Pretty sure I bet Isaac Martin like ten bucks that Mason would get drafted. Not this year, but whenever he leaves on Saturday, there is a there was no who, beer involved during that decision. Either. Yeah, right, exactly. But there, <laughs> no, there is a guy who plays for I think it's the Commanders, and I'm gonna look him up real quick. Yes, his name is Casey um, Tuhill. I'm gonna probably pronounce that wrong, um, but he reminds me a lot when I was watching the the Commanders very very small amount yesterday on the Red Zone Channel. He had a couple of sacks. Uh, and he is 6'5", 254. So very similar in size to Mason. It was number 95. They play very similar. Like, I could see Mason in the NFL is what I'm trying to get at. Like, Mason's get-off is what wins him a lot of his battles. I mean, he's he's got an incredible get-off. The fact that they're sliding and chipping Ashton and stuff like that, he's just going to have even more opportunity to, you know, one-on-one matches, do that ghost rush, and, you know, get a sack. So I, kudos to Mason. Got That's right. Points. Kudos to Mason. He is catching up now. Three sacks. Ashton Gelati, six and a half sacks. Uh, we got a couple of others. Looking, looking a little bit. Looking tight, Jacob. I know. I mean, Ashton's going to have to come out. He's getting a little nervous now. That steak dinner's in question with Mason creeping up, man. He doesn't want to give up that seven-ounce filet with the side asparagus. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he needs that. Yeah. So, think, we'll see. They think you're taking him to Jeff Ruby's. Really, it's Outback. <laughs> <laughs> you get a you steak guys down for a my- blooming onion? <laughs> You guys get a steak from my grill out here in Oldham County. That's what it is from Walmart, man. It's it's grass fed though. Don't Doesn't worry. say there's a steakhouse right here. I don't. Kind of looks like a subdivision. He's Jacob gets all of his meat from food and stuff, <laughs> right? Exactly. Where he gets all of his food and most of his stuff. That's One right. Side man. of the steak's gonna be fucking nice and pink. The other's gonna be gray. <laughs> all right. Well, we will close the book, as Matt would say, on this week, and do so quickly and aggressively. Um, and yes, we close the book on the week and we will move on now. Uh, and on the other side, we're going to talk about uh, the bye week and what Louisville um, is likely facing after coming off of a really tough loss uh, and knowing what's on the other side of that bye week. But we've also got some other conversations that we're going to get into in terms of what, you know, what the ACC looks like uh, and what Louisville needs to to do with this quarterback situation if things continue. I mean, I know we're not in the the business of benching folks but if uh, uh struggles continue there's definitely a conversation to be had so we'll do all of that on the other side as well as a new 
segment. Cash it or trash it as we're getting into the betting scene here. We'll try a little bit of our own luck on the show. Uh, but speaking of betting, hey, Louisville, sports betting is officially live in Kentucky. Sports betting sites are offering new bettors tons of awesome bonuses to get started. We've made it super easy and put all of our favorite promos into one list for you. Check out all of our best sportsbook promos at bit.ly slash state of Louisville so you can maximize your first bets. Also, each time you sign up for one of the promotions, you are directly supporting our show. So if you're looking to sign up for any new Kentucky sports books, head over to bit.ly state of slash state of Louisville for our top offers. That's bit, B-I-P dot L-Y forward slash state of Louisville. Offers are only available for new customers who are 18 plus, 21 plus select sports books, physically present in Kentucky. Please gamble responsibly. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We will be right back. Back on the other side. Football, that's right. Back on the other side. Appreciate you all for tuning in from the Pink Seats Podcast. Subscribe anywhere that you get your shows. Follow us on YouTube at the State of Lou. At the State of Lou is also where you will find us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod if you want to get involved with the show. We appreciate you all. It's been a big year for us. Really exciting stuff. Third best podcast, which isn't – it's not not number one. Got to keep grinding for that. You know, got to got to give us a little something, or else we would just be like Louisville and hold on to that Notre Dame win for a little bit too long, right? Imagine if we came out and laid a clunker this week. What would people say about us? Do you think they'd still say we got it going on? We might come back, bounce back. Six and one. We don't like clunkers. That's right. We don't. We we're in midseason form from the second we stepped to this damn microphone, dude. I thought we came up with a chip on our shoulder today. To be honest with you, that's right. That's right, man. I always mentality today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just coming with the lunch pail type of mentality. That's what we're doing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a tough loss. Never want to lose football games. It's never fun. It still feels as bad as it did under any coach at any time, uh, especially against a team that was one and four. But hey, Kentucky lost by the same amount of points, so can't say you much. You know, it was, uh, it's different. You know, people were kind of bashing Jeff for the first time ever, you know, because, uh, you know, Kenny got it early with the basketball team and stuff like that, the hometown hometown guy comes home or college Hooper comes home and doesn't have a good year and stuff. And Jeff finally loses the game and people are, you know, wonder how he deals with the, I'm sure he doesn't give a damn. He probably in through one year out through the other year. Well, I'll tell you what, Vince, we're not going to lose one this week. Hell That's no. right. Hard to beat the bye. Vince, did you ever, you ever lose to the bye week? I never got hurt during the bye week. I also don't think I was ever really like available during the bye week. <laughs> so. When, when okay, so when a bye week when a bye week comes, right, and you're you've just lost to a team that's one in four, what does that bye week look like versus when you just beat like a Florida State sixty two to ten? Like I know that's not how that played out by schedules, well, but like what's that as, look like? As I text you, I've never went into a bye week six and one. I mean, so I don't know. I don't really know how. There's a couple of different ways it could go. I mean, I've been on the side of a bye week where you know you're doing full padded equipment practices. Uh, Monday through Wednesday, and you're toning it down Thursday, Friday. Notice how I said you're still practicing on Thursday, Friday. And uh, I've also been on the side where it's been helmet shoulder pads Monday, Tuesday, maybe, or just Monday, tone it down and just go helmets the rest of the way. And, you know, you go until Thursday, and it's a surprise. Oh, guys, you can go home on Friday and, you know, no practice or something. Maybe just film work in the morning on Friday, let the guys go for an early weekend. Uh, 
But I think Jeff will handle it in a way where it's going to be a lot in the film room and there will be a lot of stuff to evaluate and clean up. During the buy, you do a lot of self-scout evaluation. And so you go, the Exos tool that they use to watch film is really cool. And uh, you can, it's like PFF, but on steroids, guys. Because, I mean, it's all your stuff and it's as detailed as you can possibly do it. I mean, I could formulate a percentage of how many times our Y tight end lined up in a certain, you know, specific formation to us. We'll call it pass. He lined up in pass set and motioned to the left to go, you know, out wide. You know, I can get that percentage out of a formation and stuff like that. And you start breaking things down in these really, really, really specific categories. And that's where you see, okay, this is what's working. This is what's working. Trash this, trash this. This works, this works. And uh, let's keep it moving forward. Or maybe we should work on this a little bit more. The That's where you see coaches really, in my opinion, hone in on their uh, first, second, third down percentages and things like that. Because now you have a good grasp of what kind of team you have. I mean, we're seven games in now. You kind of know who you can rely on, know what you're going, know what your go-to plays and stuff are. Uh, bye weeks are, you know, they're not, they're not as easy as people like to think they are. Like there's a lot of work that goes into the bye week, and uh, on the players, it's a lot on them. I mean, you can put a lot of extra work in during the bye. Recovery, 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 recovery. I mean, that is like, oh, that's that's huge. If you're not hurting by now, you're not playing ball. You know, that's a common phrase. If you're not like banged up, nicked, dinged, like you're not playing hard. That's a very common football phrase. So I mean, you see a lot of guys in the training room. Everybody heal up. Uh, this is probably a practice where you roll out there on Monday. You see like a dozen dudes in a yellow jersey. You're like, really? They really y'all are like, <laughs> you're just banged up a little bit. But you know, it can go a multiple different ways. I'd be intrigued to see how a Jeff Brown bye week is, especially being six and one, because I've been a part of a Bobby Petrino bye week at two and whatever, and that's not fun. <laughs> no, and, and, but I feel like. It doesn't matter if they're six and one. They are coming off of a disappointing Coach, loss. Coaches and... are very scheduled. They have stuff that they do on bye weeks. Like they, like, I mean, they don't. They're people, creatures of habit. Like they don't like change. This is that's why the set. That's why Scott Satterfield and them did fires on Wednesday, and they went and got Wendy's because that was the only like fast food joint up in Boone, North Carolina. Like that's like they just are creatures of habit, and Jeff probably has a certain bye week that he's been doing for since he was head coach at Western, you know, and he yeah. probably tweaked it a little bit here, a little bit there to formulate what he's got now at Louisville. And yeah, I'm assuming a lot of recruiting gets done in the on the bye week as well. You know, it's the only yes. time they can really go watch a recruit in person. Is that the case? Uh, usually on the Friday. That yeah. Friday, they will obviously with high school football. They're playing Thursday, Friday, and Saturday games now, so it's kind of mm-hmm. in this state at least. Yeah, very very convenient. Uh, yeah, and and speaking of which, I mean uh, the twenty twenty four conversation uh, from a recruiting standpoint is one that um, I, I you know I think is worth kind of discussing. Maybe not here tonight, but they you know they have a decent amount of guys committed, and obviously they've got a guy like Isaac Brown in the class who's a four star running back. They got a four-star tight end in Dylan Messman, but like outside of that, there's really not been a whole uh, lot of momentum for them since they had that run that included Deuce Adams. So, you know, they're six and one. You need to build off of your your wins by recruiting and momentum. Um, I think to me, they're 
probably close to done with the class size. I think the rest is probably going to be in the portal. That's kind of the way of college football these days. But even still, like Presley said, you need to recruit. You need to be able to kind of handle some of the stuff that you can't do. Well, even just getting your face out there and I mean, shoot, man, like just throw it out there. Like my dad and I went and watched Jaytown high school. They were six and six and oh at the time last Thursday. You know, there might not be a dude out there that you are necessarily looking at, but pop your head in for a quarter. Say what's up to the coach, show show face, you know, dip out, go check another game out. I mean, Louisville's a small city to where you can probably hit four games in four quarters. In yeah, my yeah no doubt. For, like just popping your face in saying, hey, oh, Louisville was at the game. Oh, is it, how incredible would that be if you saw four different pictures of Jeff Brom at four different spots at a high school football game in one weekend? We very well like could just, see just that this week. One, one snap. Yeah. He's okay. probably there, say what's up, and dip. Male, cow. Probably like uh, like a Trinity, St. X, Manuel. Yeah. You know, he's going to visit those schools this weekend. You got a guy like Isaac Sal's or uh, I don't Sal. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Sewell plays at Mail, the, the top uh, twenty twenty five offensive lineman in the state. That's a four star kid. Yeah. You got you got guys all over the city that you know that come out of those schools from Trinity and Saint X. Zane yeah, Johnson, yeah. Zane Johnson, that quarterback man, that freshman quarterback. Right, right. And at Cal, you know they they recruited a ton of kids um, at Purdue from Cal, and uh, only a couple of them like Milton Wright went up there. But that you know they recruited, I thought you said the they recruited the quarterback. a bunch of kids to Cal. Keith Tobridge, bunch of cheaters. No, 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 no. Sorry to to Purdue, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting week on the bye coming off of a loss, uh, but it, it is still. Louisville is still very much in the thick of things in the ACC because of the fact that uh, right now it's really a battle of of Duke and North Carolina or sorry Florida State North Carolina um, and Florida State you know has a battle coming up this weekend with Duke and um, Clemson and Miami will battle and and North Carolina is coming off of a win against Miami but North Carolina is going to have to continue to you know kind of each week win to stay up there and so Louisville just keep your head down grind and you can stay a part of that conversation and still find yourself going to Charlotte because you don't know when Florida state might drop one. You don't know when North Carolina might drop one. You don't know. You just need to be up there to be a part of the conversation. So there is still so much to play for. I still see the scenario where Louisville wins nine, 10 games. Uh, So a lot to play for. And so instead of breaking all this down and talking in more, um, long sentences and paragraphs. I figured we play a little bit of, of a game here, a, a new segment, cash it or trash it. Uh, we're going to walk through say cash or thrash when I first read it. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the amount of times this season I have accidentally spelled his name to be Jamari trash. Like I feel really bad. Uh, having done that. It's I like bet he people... got that a lot in high school. That sounds like a high school sign that somebody made on like the opposing team. Yeah. It's just like oh, me. I mean, Anytime I accidentally type in the last name lame instead of lane, I'm like, damn it. Like that sucks, you know, like my own last name. Exactly. So, all right, here we go. I've got a couple of scenarios for you, a couple of bets, and you guys are going to tell me whether you're taking this ticket and you're cashing it or if you're going to trash it, okay? We'll start at the top here. Jack Plummer starts every game of the season from this point on. Are you cashing that bet or are you trashing that bet? Cash all day. Yeah. 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 Tell me why. I mean, mean, because a lot of people think that uh, a time is coming where – Potentially, if the struggles that we've seen continue, I mean, he's 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Potentially, you could look at benching it. Why, why, why so confidently no, Presley? Well, I mean, number one, if if there were somebody that's going to even come remotely close to what Jack Plummer brings to the table at this point, th- th- then they would have. Uh, num- number two, 
typically if you want to bring a guy in that's going to be, uh, you know, a developmental guy, you're looking towards the future, right? And uh, around here, we we love Brock Toman. Uh, you know, we love Evan Conley. But the reality is that's two seniors that are behind another senior in Jack Plummer. Uh, so the reality is if you're going to bring in a guy beside Jack Plummer, uh, you're going to be bringing in, you know, one of maybe two or three guys that are, are freshmen or sophomores on this roster. It doesn't appear that those guys are ready. They were, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth on the, on the depth chart when we played Murray state. That's how, how it kind of appears now on, on the actual depth chart. It doesn't make much sense. You still have a lot to play for. I mean, you, you still have an outside shot of, of making a, a serious New York, New York six bowl. You have an outside shot of, of going to the ACC championship. You've got a lot to play for. Seems like Jack Plummer's the guy. Uh, it, it, unless something crazy happens, unless they drop two clunkers or, uh, you know, Plummer gets dinged up or something like that. I, if, if I, if I was a betting man, I would absolutely bet on Jack Plummer to start the rest of the way. Ben, yeah. think, man? I'm right there with you with all of the same reasons. I mean, it's going to take a lot for you to have to bench Jack for likely what you're going to get the same product out of, if not worse, you know, and I love Evan and I love, Brock as well. Uh, but the guy that I would like to see, and I text you all, like, if y'all are going to throw anybody in that fire, throw, throw Pierce or throw one of them young boys in. Cause like, that's what I want to see. I want to see Caleb Williams S juice. And I want to see young, you know, flair thrown into it and, you know, see if the kids got it. But, you know, I, I just don't think we're, we're six and one. There's no, in no, we're in no position to bench any quarterback to, if the wheel ain't broke right now, there's no reason to be fixing anything. And I mean, the wheel is wobbly, but not broken. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't. I don't see a scenario in which you have a quarterback that you go to. If you're gonna ask me, gun to my head type of situation, I'm. I'm gonna say I want to see Brock, not Pierce. I mean, we're at a point where you're playing still very competitive football, uh, and I don't think we're at a time to turn to a freshman. I just don't. Uh, no, I don't, don't even get. Any, don't Brock's get. Any, like, he's talented, man. I, I mean, look. I'm not saying you go to those guys. I'm just in any situation. I'm just saying, like, if gun to my head, if he has to turn to another quarterback, it's Brock Doman. Like, that's just the way it is. I'm still taking Jack over Devin Leary at this point. And the- oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think so too. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think, I think UK fans are saying Jack has uh, had some some surefire mishaps, and man, these jump rocket passes and these two hand chest pass, like we got to cut this shit out and kind of trim the fat. Yeah, he dog, can... that crow hop one that he had. Was <laughs> bro, I, I knew you were hot over that because I'm like, damn, oh, man, I think that was sexy. But what are you doing, bro? You are not Pat Mahomes out here. Like you, you thought are that was not... sexy. And I what... think it's cool, dude. It's like straight what football. What was cool about that? It's like a one foot just power hop throw, man. It's just yeah. I don't know. I feel like the old man, like in the yeah, no, of course, right here, like oh, <laughs> one of us played football and one of us didn't. I wonder which one is which in this argument. Like I'm here for the theatrics of the sport. You're here for the fundamentals. Let's get it done. Eleven versus eleven. Iron sharpens iron. F all that nonsense. Go out and throw a jump pass, but just do it well. Don't throw a pick or get sacked or fumble the ball because you're out here running with the ball down below your waist. Like my son knows better than that. He's high and tight all day long. If you're gonna run with a ball, it's high and tight, not low and low and out. Can't okay. do that. Okay. Jawar Jordan rushes for hundred plus yards or more three times. I would be really interesting to see where the the data comes in on Louisville's uh, final opponents in terms of defenses. I did not do enough research for this question. Uh, maybe our researcher here, Presley Meyer, can relay the information. But yeah, you just got this knowing, one for us, 
what I know, <laughs> put it on the screen, Jamie. What what are the what are the rushing defenses here? Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Miami, UK. Well, I... if Duke's rushing defense is anything like their post defense, I think we're going for 150 to 200 plus. I'm going to cash this bet. I think he does. I mean, just knowing Jaws, Presley tweeted this out earlier, so he might remember what the numbers are, but I think it's like 10 out of his last 11 games, he's over 100 yards or some shit like that. I mean, it's just yeah. silly, silly video game number. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the NC, NC State game, obviously, uh, he fell short. I think he had like 75 total yards against NC State. I had a long, long catch and run. Uh, and, and then, uh, obviously, last week, you know, really probably shouldn't have played. I, I, we really don't even know what's going on with, with Jawar. Uh, Sounded like I, they said hamstring on the TV, but I yeah, I, they oh, didn't even know the CW didn't even know who was our head coach for God's sake for not five with the ca- not with the cameraman, but they did say that Jeff Brom told them pregame that Jaws wasn't going to play, so it was a little Jeff Brom tomfoolery. Okay, well, who's Tom Fullery? Was it interviewing Greg saying it was? <laughs> Did you see that? I saw them following Greg on the sideline plenty of times. It's <laughs> oh like the old, somebody tweeted. It's like the old Pat Moore tweets or the Pat Moore camera, like where they would just mm-hmm. like, "Here's Charlie Strong," and you're like, "Nope, that's just another strong black guy that looks just <laughs> like him." We got to just do better at our jobs here. <laughs> okay, so so next up you have Duke, uh, who allows 135 yards per game. That's good for 52nd in the country. Uh, and then you have, hold on, let me see if we can find them really fast. Uh, Virginia Tech and Virginia. Um, I'm going to at least okay, be willing Vir- to say Virginia's at the bottom of the league. Vir- Virginia is allowing 183 yards a game on the ground. That's a good for 108th in the country. Uh, and then Virginia Tech, for some reason, I, I cannot find them. I, you know, I got this full list. Here we go. Virginia Tech allows – 175.6 yards per per game on the ground. I'm going to go with um, he's going to have at least three more games of 100 plus yards, and, and unless there's something that we don't know about, you know, and he Dwar's out a couple more. I see three that are shoe fire 100 plus against Pitt. I can't imagine that after a week off, week of rest, that he's not able to go uh, for a potentially really big game against Duke. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, at, at least three shading towards four. Uh, Jaw still had what right at 100 yards last year at UK, uh, and that was kind of on, on the back end of a of a very odd season. I can't imagine he couldn't do the same thing again this year. Um, at Miami is the one where I'd be really concerned. Uh, I, I just have all kinds of concerns about that game at Miami. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say four out of five games, you have a pretty strong chance. I'm going Duke 100, Fighting Stu Holtz, which is Virginia Tech. Going 100 plus on that one. Uh, Virginia, 100 plus on that one. And, you know, Miami, UK are the two for me that I'm throwing on my question mark for. So I'm saying three for sure. All right. So it sounds like we're cashing it again. Trifecta here. All right, let's go to the next one. Jamari Thrash will pass the 1,000-yard receiving mark before the Miami game. And just real quick, if you're keeping stats at home like me, and you're trying to wonder in your head right now how many yards does he have, for seven games, Jamari Thrash, 39 receptions for 639 yards, six touchdowns. So he need to we- average 120 yards per game over the next three. What do we think? <laughs> 
I'm I'm, I'm going to trash that one. I'm trashing that one. And, and, and the reason is because I think that Jeff listens to this podcast. I think Chris Bell's going to have his first 100-yard game. <laughs> I like it. Second leading receiver on Louisville's team after this past weekend. How about that? How about that? Chris Bell, Slant King. Vince, what do you got, man? What do you think? You cashing that or you trashing that? I'm right there with Presley. I'm trashing it as well. I like to picture Jeff in his office watching film, breaking down the next opponent with us in his ear, saying, oh, that's Slant. That's Slant to Chris Bell. It works. Would you say that you're thrashing that? (laughs) All right. I feel like I I just sounded like Ricky Bobby and Cal Naughton whenever they're like, I picture my Jesus in a tuxedo shirt. I, I honestly, I don't know where these defenses shake out. Again, probably should have done a little bit more pre-show research. Uh, I'm going to also trash this just because, uh, one, they've spread the ball out quite a bit. I mean, Jamari Thrash has led the team in receiving yards five out of seven games, but he has only had two games over 100 yards receiving. So you're talking about those numbers. Presley did the math. He crunched the numbers. It doesn't sound like it. I'll crunch him again. Doesn't sound like it. Let's I don't move on next. Numbers. That's right. You don't. Next one. Uh, someone other than Ashton Gelati will finish leading the team in sacks. What do we think on that one? Because I think the race is heating up. And look, if you're if you're a team, if you're a defensive coordinator, or excuse me, an offensive coordinator for the next couple of weeks, and you go back and you put the Pittsburgh tape on, I'm chipping Ashton all day long. Zero sacks after a, all season where he's had a sack every game. Why wouldn't I chip him? Maybe that slows things down, opens it up for Mason or somebody else. What do we think? I'm I'm all for creating suspense. Uh, and and I, I get that we want to, you know, make it suspenseful for the next five to six weeks. However, no, Ashton's going to dominate. Uh, I, I think that Ashton has five or six more sacks than the next closest person. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pitt, Pitt seemed to game plan well for him. But, again, like Pitt's been an, an anomaly as a whole. And Louisville plays a lot more at home than they do on the road going forward. And Ashton's been a complete menace at home. Uh, so when when the conditions are predictable, when they're in a place of comfort, uh, Virginia Tech not not. I mean, Virginia Tech's improving. Don't get me wrong; they're definitely improving, uh, but not as as solid. Uh, Duke can be susceptible on their offensive line. Virginia should be. I mean, Virginia should be a, a team that Louisville slaughters. Uh, and then just like Pitt, no, no different than Pitt by a, a long shot. Uh, we tried to, we tried to warn everybody of the pitfalls, the pitfalls well, Mason, of, of playing against Pitt. Presley, uh, I'm going to say this. Your, your Riger card has officially been revoked. No, no, listen, or, no, no. Mason no, understands. Jen understands. They, 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 they. <laughs> Even Jack understands they, they 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 get it. They understand this isn't uh, personal. Miss Ryder's gonna hear this and freaking text text him and be like, "Don't mm-hmm. ever, don't ever let him wear your jersey again." Never come to family dinner. Again. But it's all right because I right. think Mason Ryder will finish and beat Ash and Gelati out on sacks. I think there is a true opportunity there for Mason to make some noise in that, specifically off of his get off and them shading and chipping and double teaming out to Ashton. Now, will it happen? I don't know, but in a world. You know, I, I can definitely see that happening. I'm I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to also trash this just because of the lead that Ashton generated while Mason was out. Uh, because I do think that if Mason had played every game, we'd probably be looking at similar stats just based off of data. Like, that's not me being like, oh, Mason's going to get it. That's just what it is. Like, they that's would be very turtle. consistent uh, in, in comparison. So I'm going to trash that one. And then finally, the last one here. 
this is interesting. This is going to reveal our cards, no pun intended, a little bit here. Louisville finishes with a 10-2 record or better. So that means only a very small room of, of uh, margin for error here based off how you're picking. I am going to trash this. Oh. I <laughs> Nine and three. So I'm not far off, but I just, I don't know, man. I need to see, I need to see them come out of the bye week. I need to see a little bit more from the offensive, uh, from the offense, especially at quarterback to feel like this game wasn't one where a team could look at the film and say, oh, we know how to beat Louisville now. My heart is telling me to definitely cash this and my brain's telling me to trash this. You're but betting I'm with gonna... real money. What would you do, Vince? Real money. Vince, remember what Lamar said. He does give a damn. I do give a damn about your fantasies and money. And Gosh hard. darn it. I, I'm going to cash it. I, we're going 10 and 2. I'm marking it down right here. You heard it. 10 and 2. Louisville has the, I believe as it stands, the 11th longest active winning streak at home. In the country, uh, eight straight. Duke's coming to town in two weeks. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I want to see how Duke plays against Florida State because I'm not sure about that. And and I want to see what the the Riley Leonard. Yeah, that's we're not seeing the real Duke right is. now. We're not right. seeing the true Duke. I mean, they're. I mean, look, they um, they took care of business against uh, NC State, if I'm not mistaken, right? This past weekend. So, cool. so, so Duke is showing, and not to get off on some tangent, and you guys, it's next week in the game preview, but Duke is showing that they can win with their defense. Uh, their head coach is a defensive minded guy. They just so happen to have some a couple of really really talented pieces on offense. Without Riley Leonard, though, their backup quarterback this week was drum roll, please. Three. That's it. And they managed to win twenty-four to three. So you pause. You like we we missed the goods. You paused yeah. right we heard three for he could have been three for three with hundred and fifty. Uh, wait, did, did I cut out? <laughs> yes, you cut out okay, right okay. as you said the data. Just pretend that didn't happen. Then their starting quarterback this week. Was drum roll, please. Three for 12. Four for 12. Four for 12. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I, drum roll. Let's do, let's do that third take one more time. Maybe you'll get it right. Come there. on, Jamie. Their card, <laughs> their starting quarterback was four for 12. And they still won 24 to three. Now, NC State is reeling. I don't know why. Like, I, I get that a Brandon Armstrong. I mean, we're really going down an ADHD trail here, but uh, it's I get that Brandon Armstrong was, was struggling. I get that that Louisville played again played him so well on defense that they had to put in MJ Morris. But the reality is, Brandon Armstrong is still a quality quarterback in my opinion, and they have a better chance of winning with him. MJ Morris just absolutely threw a clunker. Duke dominated them on defense. I don't. I mean, I don't think Duke's defense though. I mean, I watched that Notre Dame game. I've watched quite a bit of Duke this season. I don't think their defense is better than Notre Dame. Uh, and you're going to have another raucous environment uh, with them coming into Louisville. Um, let's do it again. Let's do Let's do it again, man. Let's sell it out again. If you're a fan listening, there's about four or 5,000 tickets left on the market. 
if Duke beats Florida State on Let's Saturday, go. Let's go. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be oh. another jam-packed one. Uh, probably looking at, at another night game, probably on ESPN. Um, if hey, Duke gets dude. crushed, though, we could be looking at a nooner, which would be kind of boring, but whatever. Uh, we I haven't had any new games this year, so that'd be I kind don't of want fun. a new game. No, I'm here like for that a new Deuce game. Breakfast? Uh, dude, yeah, Vince's breakfast tradition continues. You can wash that down with some beer at like 8 30. Six and one, man. Yeah, That's but I feel like, well, hold on. Let's let's set this up because we're talking about something that the audience doesn't understand. They're like, <laughs> what are you talking about, Vince's breakfast? For the entirety okay, yeah. of this season, Vince, fill our audience in. Okay. What you have had for breakfast pregame. And, and listen, Slow. our our AWLs will know that your B-hole is built different. You eat different. <laughs> like you just you are an animal when it comes to food. You eat different. What do no, you eat for breakfast? Y'all just, y'all just didn't grow up with the mom from the country like me that's just what it is so i wake up in the morning saturday morning college football it's nice and chilly right you got to play delta dawn on the way to go get your bologna egg and cheese sandwich from five star and sometimes you get a uh, blue collar mimosa which is half red bull half orange juice uh, most of the time it's just black coffee though. So bologna, egg and cheese, black coffee, and obviously a can of dip and well, can of rogue. I don't, I don't do any like dip tobacco anymore, but yeah, so that's my Saturday morning. A, Definitely. You a, have to start with Delta Dawn though, to open it up. That is like banger, Tanya Tucker to open the morning up. Oh my God. Me and Mark Ivy are one and the same. Ivy walked in and put us on with this, with Delta Dawn back in, Oh, 2019. We're sitting there. It's just a random freaking day. And I know I'm getting off on a tangent now, but this is a good Mark Ivy story. And we're sitting there doing random shit one day. He storms in. He's like, turn that Tanya Tucker on. Turn that Tanya Tucker on. And we're like, who the F is Tanya Tucker? And he's like, no, no. He gets over there on YouTube and plays it. And I mean, shit's a banger, man. It's definitely (laughs) college football. Like, oh. I just think about college football while I listen to that. I love it, man. I am totally here for that. Your Saturday mornings are a very, very much. Saturday mornings during the fall are like holy to me. Guys at Jiu Jitsu would be like, why don't you come roll on Saturday morning? You know, you vote them play till like 730. I'm like, nah, I'm watching game day. He's like, I'm I'm, I'm eating my ham, egg, and yeah. cheese. <laughs> no, <laughs> bologna. Fried oh, bologna, bologna. Egg. Which is. Oh, and whenever God, you guys. Bologna. That's why you got to fry it. So whenever you guys fry it, right, the key with frying bologna is you got to either like you got to puncture it or like cut the sides or something so it doesn't bubble up in the middle, right? Otherwise, because you won't crisp the middle up, it'll just be a bubble and crispy on the outsides. So that's my well. There you go. Cheese tip. Vince's bologna notes is how. Anyways, I'm cashing it. We cash my breakfast. I think you guys should try my breakfast. I I will. Oh, I absolutely will. Let's do it. Let's Next meet week. up at the five star in J Town. We can all, we can all just shoot the shit, stand outside the gas station. You know what? There's a Quills coffee for your soft ass over there, right down no, the street. No, fuck that. I'll take creamer. the fold. Give me soft the fold black, bro. What do you oh, one ply. What are you talking about? Black. No, I'm I'm ready to black out the can, man. I'm ready to roll. Get out of here. You put. You still use coffee filters? What is this? 2023. <laughs> 
I just fucking eat that shit, man. I just pick a big Vince, scoop of it. Vince just pulls hey, like a freshman year. Whenever I was doing finals, man, I'd have to go like half dip, half coffee grounds in my gums just was, to freaking study. I was gonna say Vince is a, a, a freaking coffee grinds, right? Coffee grinds right in his lip. That's that's his jaw for the morning. That's hey, it. man. It it worked whenever I had to study. Like yeah, I definitely got my caffeine at me. Jeez Louise. All right, you're cashing it and give me 30 seconds as to why that is, Presley. What do you think? 10 and uh, 10 I, I and... think I think that Duke, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are all wins. Uh, I, I just I like Louisville at home. Uh the the vibes have been solid. Virginia Tech's gonna be a little close closer than we expect. Virginia, I think they'll crush Virginia, in in, in my personal opinion. And then Kentucky, I just where we stand right now, I cannot imagine losing to Kentucky at this point. Miami, though, I think is a clunker. I think they drop. I think they drop that. It just nothing adds up to me that they win that game. I'll be there in person. I'm gonna be having having gotten my bronze on all week in in Naples, Florida, uh, hitting some bombs down in Naples. Um, you know, taking some care of some. No, I'm gonna hit some bombs. Like some I'm gonna bombs. Yeah, I'm gonna cut some corners on some dogleg left par fours, Jacob. Uh, is what I'm talking about. And then I'm gonna head down to Miami, and I'm gonna come ready for war. Like, don't, don't, you don't, might, don't you worry about that. You but, might come back with a black eye from that stadium. <laughs> no, there's gonna be like 40 fans there. It's gonna be just like Pitt. You're gonna have 150 people show up, and then say, "I'm gonna tell you right now." Whenever we played Miami and last time we were there, 19 or 20, it might have been 2020. Well, we ran out onto the field, bro. Even I was getting made fun of by their fans and their little recliner seats right there, right on the like they got a they got a Mac Daddy Stadium. Dolphins got a made man. They do, they do, and we've got Depends plenty up. of time. Plenty of time before we get to that point, but it is uh, it's going to be interesting, man. They come out of the bye week, um, and it's a different season. It truly is. It doesn't matter what you did in the first half, uh, but I like playing at home. I like this this year, three road games. Right, let's do that every year. I don't know who we need to talk to about that. That seems yeah, like let's fun. Let's going. do that every year. That's right. Let's keep that going. Speaking of what we should keep going, that's listening to State of Louisville Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe from the Pink Seats Podcast, starting 502 Vamos Morados, third and central, off the walls. We keep all the content consistently across the full spectrum of sports in the Louisville community. Thank you guys for tuning in and following along, supporting us. Be sure to follow us at Pink Seeds Pod. Uh, and we've got more coming. A couple more episodes before we play a football game. We will catch you. Hopefully, Jeff Lightsey will be able to connect and uh, have him join us later this week. Matt might come home. If not, Kara. Come on, Kara. Bring That's out right. of the bullpen. That's right. Hey, we'll bring Kara. Matt, I, I hope y'all get run ruled. I hope y'all get run ruled tonight in softball, Matt. I hope, I hope y'all hear that. I hope you strike out looking. And Matt. if you all really want a challenge, I'll put together a team and we can we can run it up in JTAC. Let's go. Let's go. And we can call them the the ass bags. <laughs> ass bags. All right. All right we'll go, see you guys next week. Go cards. Beat bye week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.